Weirdo Bookworms Unite! We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Fans of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and more can stop by as we chat about what we've been reading. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Genre Junkies, the best book podcast that there ever is out there. Hi, Scott. Hi, Sandra. Hey. So tonight is sci-fi night. Yes, it is. I'm so excited. We're going to talk about a space opera here by a very prolific, very famous science fiction author. John Scalzi. This is actually the first book I've read by him. My first book by him, too, though I, of course, know who he was and has been aware of him for a oh, long yeah. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is The Collapsing Empire is the name of this book, and it's the first in what I believe is a new series or miniseries or trilogy or something. I think it's supposed to be a trilogy. Um, Scott? Oh, I get to do it this time? Uh, yeah. All right. Um, because I had a really hard time writing the synopsis for this book. I don't mind saying and I want Scott to hit, to hit it. For a millennia, the interdependency has thrived. The trade guilds manage their monopolies, supplying the dozens of star systems with needed supplies. The parliament resides over the laws, and above all of them, the Empirix, descended from the ancient prophet, is the final word. All this is made possible by the flow, a little understood but incredible scientific discovery that allows faster-than-light travel between worlds upon its currents. But what if the flow, after thousands of years of stability, suddenly became unreliable? What might happen if the flow was to collapse? So that's kind of the basic synopsis here, people. Scott? Yes? Start us off. All right. I'm going to let you start this off because I... We haven't talked about this at all, this book. Not like, even at all. It's been little. very hard. So I want you to start it off. Okay. So we start with our experience score. Please. Um, I'm going to give this a page turner. I will not be surprised if yours will be different, but I really enjoyed The Collapsing Empire. It's a quick read, and it has some really interesting characters. Um, I became really invested in them. There's some weirdness here and there with some character choices, and a few ideas are explained on multiple occasions repetitively. But overall, I I couldn't put it down. I will definitely agree that it's a quick read, especially for like a a space opera type of book with a lot going on. Yeah, space operas have a tendency of going the same route as fantasy, where it can get very long. Yeah. Um, For me, I have very complicated feelings on this book. Um, I'm going to give my experience score a good read. Okay. Um, It was fun. It was enjoyable. But is it going to stick with me long term? Is it really going to impress me when I look back at the multitudes of books I'm going to read this year? Probably not, but it didn't, like, offend me or anything either. I like his writing. I loved these characters. I love the opening sequence of this book, but I didn't care for the plot. And that's really hard for me to kind of wrap my head around about loving his writing. Even though it's not very descriptive, it's kind of sparse. Loving his characters. And he has a great way with snappy dialogue, but just not loving the plot of this book. That's very funny to me. I had more... <laughs> funny. Well, I had I had more trouble with the characters than I did with the plot. I rather liked the plot, for even though it was not exactly what I was expecting. It definitely wasn't. And I think you gave a great synopsis of this book. This is one of those where the synopsis in like the book jacket or whatever online isn't quite right. We've been running into a lot of those recently. I know. And I don't like these publishers misleading folks like this. It's kind of weird. 
<sighs> yeah, it's just complicated. It's, you know, I I wanted way more action and way less politics because I do like some politically kind of motivated science fiction and fantasy, but I am used to more action. Well, I'd like to expand on that because I think you nailed it right there. I was expecting a very classic starships, mm-hmm. space opera, yeah. science fiction, and this is really much more political thriller. I guess so, though I wouldn't say thriller. I was not thrilled. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the political machinations uh-huh. of everybody in the book and the way it all worked together. I, I found that really fascinating, and it I thought it was very exciting, but I can see why you would not necessarily enjoy that as much. To be honest, if I had known it was such politically focused, I probably wouldn't have recommended that we read it. It's just really difficult because I almost feel like these characters are like so, uh, you know, I, I liked them so much. I enjoyed their presence and my journey with them. I feel like I'm offending them by saying anything about their plot because it's like, dudes, it's not personal. I love you. <laughs> So yeah, clearly our experiences reading this book, just um, we weren't quite on the same page, which is totally fine. And I have to wonder if some of my disappointment in the plot is because I read that synopsis and I expected something much more action-packed. I don't know, maybe. I think that that might have had something to do with it. It definitely did not fit my idea of what the book was going to be at all. But I I was able to get into it pretty quickly myself once I realized where this was really supposed to go. Sure. Now, what did you think of his writing style? Because as I kind of said, I do enjoy his writing style, though, of course, I would love a little bit more descriptive, uh, fancy flowery prose. Um, I did like it. I like the way he writes characters. I like the way he writes dialogue. He is very funny. I laughed out loud a few times in this book. So what did you think of his writing? style i enjoyed it i didn't love it hmm scalzi's put up there as this huge prolific author in science fiction Absolutely. so i was really excited to read my first book by him mm-hmm. and there were some things about it that were i agree i laughed out loud i thought that some of the characters were great i thought the plot was very well constructed but there's some things about his writing that to me This is a loaded word, but the the best way I can describe it is lazy. Lazy. That's interesting. Well, he falls into a science fiction pet peeve of mine. Oh, what is that? Uh, The main technological hook, first of all, is fantastical and not based in science. But I can get around that. The flow, you mean? The flow, exactly. Uh But second, it's explained by a character in the book to the reader breaking the fourth wall in a luxury sort of way. Oh, see, I loved that. See, I don't. And what I don't understand is there are other points in the book where he once again describes the flow. He describes how the flow works and what it does probably about 15 times in the book. (laughs) Yeah. And that's all fine. And that's some of those were good ways to tell it. But the very first introduction you get is a fourth wall breaking monologue. And what's worse is... Because it's a fantastical scientific element, it's full of, but that's not exactly how it works. And well, no one really knows exactly what it does, or this is really a simplification. And while this book in particular, I am giving him a little bit of a pass on that because it actually pays off in the book. The fact that, yeah, actually, no one really does know exactly how it works. 
there is a payoff to that. But initially, that was very disappointing. (laughs) See, that's so funny, because I loved the opening of this book. I loved it. I loved the whole opening. I loved the stuff, the action that was happening, the characters that were involved in it. I loved that breaking of the fourth wall. It gave me almost like a false sense of like, oh, this is how the whole book's gonna be. Um, And then it's it's not quite like that. Well, I agree with that. I mean, I really did love the first chapter of the book overall. That was the most space opera part of the book. Oh, yeah. Is the very first chapter. Oh, my gosh. No, totally. Um, I do like the concept of the flow, though it is sort of a fantastical because it's it's a different kind of like an alternate galaxy to us in a way. Um, they mention Earth, but but it's, you know, obviously not, I don't know, not like heavily based in like real science or anything. But I liked the concept of the flow and what that means for humanity and how humanity interacts. The problem I have with the flow, though, is that I feel like without the flow, this story wouldn't even need to be science fiction. It wouldn't even need to be in the future. It could be a fantastical past. It could be even present. The flow could be an allegory for railroad tracks, ocean currents, even land bridges, and the story would still be successful. Mm-hmm. So I question whether this book really, while the idea is very strong, if it really had enough to classify it really and require it to be science fiction. I mean, the fact is that he does set it in space, though. And I think that makes it exciting. There's also some cool kind of technologies in the book that um, really bumps up the sci-fi thing to me. Um, Without getting too much into details, there's a place called the Memory Room. And that was a cool sci-fi concept I really enjoyed. Um, I I mean, I think putting it out in space made it more exciting for me than if it were just a fantasy. I mean, I can see what you're saying, but I can very vividly think of how this would be an excellent fantasy book. But a lot of space operas do kind of sometimes feel like fantasy, don't they? Yes, they do. No, and I agree. And I'm. this isn't really, I should clarify, in some respects, what I'm saying is actually a compliment. The emotional resonance and the relevance of the plot, the fact that it can be moved to any time actually speaks very well for it. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, Should we talk a little bit about characters for people so they can kind of get to know these folks? I would love to talk about characters because I'm really interested to see... I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about some of them. Uh-huh. One of them in particular, I, I really am very curious about. So my favorite character to read about in this book is the character of Cardinia, who um, finds herself the new emperor. Is that how we're saying it? Emperix. Emperix of the interdependency. And when you're the Emperix, you're like, you're not only like the reigning monarch, but you're also like the head of the church. It comes with a lot of responsibility. Um, and she wasn't, like, groomed her whole life for this role. Um, and I absolutely loved her. I loved her honesty. I loved her her sense of morality and justice. I love, love, loved her humor. She's probably my favorite character to read. I, I would be so happy just to even keep reading about her. I totally agree with you. She is a very strong and grounded female character. She grew up in nobility, but without any expectation of becoming the Empress like she did. She's kind of a bastard child, mm-hmm. uh, which there really isn't that much of a stigma 
at this point in the future about that. But she was not supposed to... She wasn't groomed for it. Yeah. And suddenly, about a year before she became Emperix, found out, well, you know, actually, she's kind of the last... She's the next one up. Right after her father passes away. Um, so yeah, I'm glad we agree on her. She was a lot of fun. Um, Mars or Marcy? I, in my head, it's Mars. We'll go with Mars. He's a flow physicist. Um, I found him quite funny. Uh, I did like him. Like I said, I like the characters in this book. I like how he's a little bit of fish out of water with some of these characters. He's from a, a part of the interdependency that he's kind of a hick. He's kind of a bumpkin, even though he's a brilliant physicist. Um, and I liked that sort of fish out of water, kind of awkward thing he's got going on. And he's very funny, too. The two characters I wanted to read the most about was Cardinia and Mars, because I like them both. They're both very sardonic and they're witty and quick. They're both very up to the challenges that come ahead of them, but they're both very human. Oh, yeah. I I really like Mars as a character. He's he's fun to follow. I, he is fun. He's no Cardenia, but I liked him. <laughs> I was glad he was there because I feel he uh, rounds out our three leads very well. Because our, our last lead, really, to speak about is Kiva Lagos. And this is who I really want to hear what you think about her. Okay. Um, I found Kiva absolutely freaking hilarious. She was so damn funny to me. And I love that she's smart. She's quick witted. She's kind of always a few steps ahead of everybody else with her planning. She's kind of like doing her time um, on a ship delivering fruit for her family, the House of Lagos, who is like a like a citrus farming family. She's one of the, she's she's in one of the main trade guilds. Yeah, and so it's a big deal, but it's kind of like you have to pay your dues before you can have like a cushy important political like desk job in the guild family. So she's out there being on the ship and she is kind of has to be rough and tumble. She kind of has to be ready for anything, and I feel like she's so smart and sharp and kind of cutthroat and i think that's always really cool to read in a female this character could have so easily have been male and would have just been that swaggery cowboy in space archetype that i get really sick of um she's also incredibly crude she swears a lot and she also really owns her sexuality she knows you know like these voyages from home to like the hub planet i'll say nine months and a girl has needs and i found it so funny the way she could be like interacting with characters and kind of thinking about like should i have sex with them is that worth my time how would that be and i don't know i just found that like so 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 funny i loved turning again that swaggery devil may care but actually secretly a genius typically male space archetype on its head. Super appreciated that, John Scalzi. So I agree with everything that you just said there. I think Yay. that she's 
she's the scoundrel type of this story. Yes, and it is really a cool rogue. for that for the rogue. Yes, I'm, it's really cool for that character to be portrayed as a woman, and it's very empowering. She's oh, I also like that though it's empowering and all that good stuff. It's not weird. Like nobody thinks it's weird that that's who she is. There's like a lot of equality since this is a matriarchal society. I do appreciate that. Yeah, the fact that there's very few things that are taboo in this world. Yes. Uh, you want to have sex with somebody? Cool. You're gay, straight. We've got whatever. sex guilds. It doesn't matter. It's like it's it's not a big deal. We're just kind of all doing our own thing. There's not a whole lot of judgment there. I, I really do like that. <laughs> there are not a lot of hangups in the interdependency. I appreciate it. As I've said before, I'm always a little uncomfortable with male authors writing sexually promiscuous females. Not because... It's because I never know what to feel about them because I don't have that experience myself. I don't have I have the privilege mm-hmm. of being a white cis male. So I don't have that frame of reference to understand if, if this is a fair representation or not. I think that's very kind of you and very responsible of you to say. Um, I will say that I'm super happy he wrote this character because there's not judgments or anything weird on her. She has her own agency. She has her confidence. She's unapologetically who she is. And then I think especially he gets even more bonus points because as we've said a couple times now, this archetype is so typically male and so typically overdone that it's like, thank you, John, for letting the woman be this interesting character this time. All right, cool. So want to talk about appeal before we take a little spoiler break? Let's do it. So appeal for me is a little difficult to say. I don't know why. I feel like this is a negative connotation saying this appeal for this book. But um, I'm going to give it niche. I am. I think that um, from what I gather, a lot of John Scalzi's books are not niche. Um, and that's great. And I want to read more of them. But at this point, I'm not super sure how jazzed I am going to be to finish this series. I'm really committed to these characters. So I don't think I can just drop it. But I don't think it's going to be like one of those where I'm like, oh my god, I have to get my hands on it. And I can see a lot of other readers feeling the same way. So I feel fair putting it in the niche category. I don't think that calling a book niche is a negative connotation. I know, it just sometimes feels like it. I know, it, it It just means that for people who are not really into science fiction, it might not be their thing. And in this case, I agree with you. I do think that this is a niche book. Um, the thing about it is it's even narrower than I had anticipated, though, because it's yeah. not just a space opera, which is a polarizing genre in and of itself. More than that, it's it's, like I said, secretly a political thriller, or maybe not so thrilling as you said (laughs) sorry i mean in my opinion it's done really well and it has really relevant overtones to even current day events um i can see it turning off a lot of people so i I think i think niche is the perfect thing for this book oh my gosh that's so awesome that we agree even though we kind of had a different experience with this book so all right we're gonna take our little spoiler break as we always do and come back and talk in a little bit more detail enjoying the show Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. 
welcome to the spoiler section. Can I kick off the spoiler section? Go for it. Although I was just about to jump you and try to introduce us to the spoiler section myself. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, you go. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please. Oh, no, really. Age before beauty. Well, no, really. Go ahead. <laughs> Fine, what okay. I meant is I was literally just about to say, welcome back, it's the spoiler section, and just like jump over you on <laughs> we're that. We're going to use that and we're going to let you do that another time. Yeah, okay. Next time we do sci-fi then. So the way I wanted to start this off was talking about another group of characters that I decided might be too spoilery to talk about at the beginning. And that is the clan, the noble clan of the Noham Apatans. Uh, no, is that how? <laughs> yes, that is... No ham apatan. I I just when I was reading it, I just read it as the ends, like the those guys. But and I yeah, was that, calling them the no hapatians. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the tacarias. Yeah. Um. They were super interesting. They're a weird little group of two brothers and one sister, and they are very enterprising. They want to be king, queen. They want they want to rule it all. They want all the power. They want to do all the things. Um. But they're not idiots. They're very smart, and they end up, like, having this actually huge plot stuff attached to them. And that was just another example of characters of his that I really loved. And despite not being so hooked into this plot, I really enjoyed all these characters. They were all their own beings. Okay, so the the no the no ham uh, the no ham appetans. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. This is one of those words I just cannot say. Was it in the the troop? It was the Euclids, like we couldn't say. Now it's like this. These damn people. Anyway, Henry Henry Grenny 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 allegedly Grenny. Um, he was particularly hilarious, and they're all sociopaths. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he had some especially laugh out loud moments for me. Whoever the hell he is, what do you think of the no ham, the no ham appetans? Pretty early on in the book, once I read about all three of the no ham appetans, <laughs> I have specific real life people in mind for these characters. Wow! And it's the Trump children. Oh my god! I one hundred percent. I just visualized them as the Trump children the entire time. And see, I, I visualize them actually as people of color. So that's why it's even like doubly funny in my mind. <laughs> I mean, you have the chess master, the one who's moving all the pieces around and the brains of the operation uh -huh. in the daughter. I can't remember her name. You have the... Starts with an N. I know. You have the salesman who's... He's not the smartest tool in the shed, but he means well. Is that Amit? That's Amit. He doesn't mean well, though. He well, means for himself. Well, yeah, he doesn't really mean well. And then he tries. He tries hard. And I then, guess. And then you have Grenny, who's kind of just the the strong man, if you will. He's a creep. He's the natural front man. He's the face. And I, I don't know. It just it fit that so well to me. I'd really love to hear if all of the similarities I find to current day actually do have a part in this book or not. Because I really saw a lot of similarities. Did you read his acknowledgments at the end? I did not. Oh, he talks about- I just about finished the book, so. Okay. He talks about how he's writing this during the 2016 U.S. presidential campaign. So it is very possible that is uh, exactly who he had in mind. Yeah, I think, 
I think it might be. And I think it's even more relevant now after all of that. Um, Let's see. So we kind of talked about how a little bit in the beginning, how the plot didn't super work for me. Um, Kind of knowing everything we do about the plot. What about that worked for you? Because I had such a hard time for me. Well, for me, there was two things. There was the interest that I had in Cardinia and in in her and my investment in her rise as Empress. Yeah, totally. And the second thing is the rest of the book almost unfolds like a um it almost unfolds like a procedural drama. Yeah, okay, you know what? That's hilarious because I think of it like an episode of Murder She Wrote. I- Especially <laughs> when Car- when Cardinia and Mars are like, you know, telling the council and then they're like and then this happens, and then that happens, and it's just like so, like diagnosis, murder, murder. She wrote. No, it, it see, was I was thinking more Law and Order, but I think that okay, <laughs> fine. I love both of those things, so okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get with you on that. I know that you don't mean them as positively I, as I would. I, I love those things for a nostalgic way, but I don't totally mean it positively. No. So the political thriller aspect of it, I really enjoyed. Uh, no, okay, Scott, let's get real for a minute. It, though did you really care about the the fruit there was so much about the blight on the fruit and it's like it got so boring to me i'm an excel junkie and a former business major so yes i actually really loved hearing about all of that i'm eye rolling i could not i could not get excited about that i could not even get excited about some of the scheming and stuff that was going on i couldn't get excited about the people on end having a revolution i couldn't get excited about so much stuff in this plot I have a particular set of interests, and this one just kind of tickled a lot of them. That's hilarious. Okay, I will totally give you that. Um, It's different strokes for different folks. Um, I loved the concept of the memory room. I loved the conversations that um, Cardenia, a.k.a. Grayland II, um, had with her father and Richella and other people who had gone before. I loved that, where they're kind of like, they're constantly updating this room so this incredibly advanced scientific software can allow you to have conversations with people from the past and kind of advise you and um, give you insights and truths to uh, this world they built. I thought that was super cool. I like the idea of the main character in power automatically having access to all known information in the universe. It kind of cuts out a lot of weird exposition. <laughs> it Well, it actually creates an excuse to give even more exposition, in my opinion. Well, yeah, but not in a weird but, way. But not in a weird way. But more importantly, a lot of books, they rely, they rely on the ignorance of a main character in order to progress the plot. Mm-hmm. And this does not have that to fall upon. There's definitely information and scientific discoveries that happen in the book. For example, her finally being confirmed to her that, yes, the flow is collapsing. But anything that any of the previous Empirixes knew, she knew. She has access to. It's mm-hmm. not a, oh, she's really learning as she goes. Yeah, she has to learn some of the niceties. But at the end of the day, there's not information being kept from her. Yeah. And, and that's not a plot point. And that's very refreshing to me. Well, and you can kind of, you know, obviously Mars fills in a lot of gaps. Um, I love how her and Mars, I mean, they're kind of headed towards a romantic thing. I thought that was really cute. I thought it was, their romance was really organic and really um, like a natural progression. 
because she's finally like, oh my god, another real person. Because, I mean, she's surrounded by these not realistic characters. I mean, even she's kind of like, she has to refer to herself in the royal we, which I found very entertaining. Um, I liked that. I liked that romance. I, I found it very charming. And oh, I also loved how he was having Kiva, having sex with Kiva the whole time. That was yes. so funny. And that's probably not going to be a big deal, really. No, not no. Kiva's going to be like, don't trip chocolate chip. I was thinking about that budding romance because it was it was written so naturally and it really is very believable. It's only three pages or four pages of information throughout the entire book. They really only have that much time together. Yeah. And it was totally believable and interesting. So besides the characters being something that's going to keep me a little roped in to this series, um, I will say I liked where the plot was going a lot at the very end of this book. Because now it's like, holy smokes, this, you know, system we've built up for like a millennia um, is going to now radically change because we're going to be losing the interdependency part, and none of the planets except for N are at all sustainable on their own. And that's very exciting, kind of this this hubris of mankind, that they let it get to this point where it can so easily all fall apart. I find that very exciting as a jump-off point. I agree. I think the second book is going to be a lot different and possibly more exciting than the first. I think the ending has a better chance of bringing you into the second book than you were from the first book. I mean, just as long as we don't talk about embargoes on fruit and a whole lot of embezzling, I I think I'm going to be really happy. I think there will be trade embargoes. I think think there will be trade disputes. One of my favorite plot points in the book revolved around Kiva and the whole thing with the guy that was there to kill Mars and how she set up this whole thing with the bomb and the trickery and the body and the banter she's having with this other ship her and her captain i found that whole bit of deception and all that fun stuff her and her captain were doing really funny entertaining exciting it was very um heist like it was very kind of oceans 11-y i loved that plot point i do think he falls under a little bit of the issue of over planning his scenes though Hmm, maybe so. Like, there's there's kind of something that happens when you start at the end and work your way back and kind of create this perfect plan. And then you say, okay, I've got to throw in this, this little issue and this little issue. But sometimes things work out a little bit too perfectly. Uh-huh. And even when it works out imperfectly, it works out perfectly imperfect. You know what I mean? Maybe so, but I kind of find that more indicative of his really clever writing. Like, it's not like a complaint for me. Well, and I definitely think I need to read at at least one more Scalzi book, and I plan to. I wonder if this book is a good example of his typical writing style, or if this is kind of a side anomaly. I'd be really curious to see if this is really what most of his books are like. Well, maybe some of our listeners can weigh in on that and uh, leave us some comments on like social media or whatnot and let us know about that if you're John Scalzi fans or if you hate John Scalzi or uh, (laughs) whatever the case may be. Any closing thoughts, Scott, before we get to our final score? No, let's give it our execution scores. So our execution score, I want to go with Haverfruits. 
How many haverfruits out of five? Out of ten. Out of ten. Well, okay. I mean, it's like there's a lot of haverfruit on board, so you have to figure at least ten in a little crate. Yeah, I guess so. Can I go first? Yeah, go first. Um, because of everything I've kind of said, almost beating a dead horse at this point, I just want to really make it clear to people how much I enjoyed elements of his writing, how much I really enjoy his characters, but the plot just didn't dip its little haverfruit hooks into me. Um, that having been said, I'm going to give it six haverfruits out of ten. That is fascinating that you're giving it six out of ten. That's exactly what I'm giving it as well. I thought you were going to give it many more haverfruits. No, again, I really enjoyed this book, but my score, I think the execution of the book is a little bit lacking, but mm. oddly in exactly the opposite ways that you feel. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, I enjoyed the characters and I found myself very invested in the characters, but I actually did find them kind of shallow and two-dimensional. Um huh. Their motivations were very surface level. I, I, I suppose true, though maybe not Cardenia. She's a little more complicated. Cardinia is an exception. I love Cardinia. I think that she is the best written character. But everyone else really, while they go on a journey of discovery, there's not a whole lot of character growth for any of them. And I really wanted a little bit more. But it is the first book of a series. And a short book. And a very short book. I actually think this book could have been 100, 150 pages longer. Uh, I want to agree with you, but I don't want to talk about Haverfruit for that long. <laughs> Um, okay, everybody, thank you so much for joining us for this very fun science fiction romp. Uh, I, I feel like it's been so long since we read science fiction. Thank you, Scott, for joining me, as always, not that you have a choice. No, I do not, but you're very <laughs> welcome. All right, everybody, and please, as always, keep reading past your bedtime. So besides the characters being something that's going to keep me um, at least tangen tangentially, am I saying that word right? Tangent, 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 no. Tangent. <laughs> tangent, tan tangentially. Tan oh my god, okay, I'm going to find another word. Tangentially. I, I usually can say that word. Tangentially. Tangentially. <laughs> I can't say it. Okay, I'm finding another word. <laughs>